Anything is Potable is brought to you by GameTime, your new go-to app for the best deals on last-minute tickets. Ticket prices drop right before the game starts, and because GameTime tracks prices in real time from thousands of trusted sellers, they're able to show you the best last-minute deals with prices up to 60% off. You know, there's, there's a big Kyrie Irving versus Celtics game. Obviously, he's not going to play in it because he's got shoulder impingement and because he's a little hurt and because he's not coming to Boston. But if you want to go, make your make it known how much you dislike Kyrie Irving anyway or want to make it known how much you love this current Celtics team, you can do that too. Ticket prices has probably dropped because of it. I would expect they are much cheaper than they would have been otherwise. To get in the door at the lowest price possible in the best seats possible, check out GameTime. The GameTime app is simple, quick, and easy to navigate. Download the GameTime app in the Google Play or App Store and score last-minute deals on tickets up to 60% off. Uh, you are now tuned into anything potable, the most honorable, the most audible. Hold the applause. What's up? It's your boy Jay King from The Athletic. This is the Anything is Potable podcast. I am here with Sam Jam Packard, the GOAT, as always, twice a week. This is our free show, so you can listen to it on iTunes or Spotify. Please subscribe to us. If you haven't already, give us a five-star rating. If you're an athletic subscriber, you can always listen to our podcast on the app. You'll get the, the app podcast that we do. The subscriber podcast that we do once a week. Uh, we got two shows. So this is honestly the greatest Celtics podcast of all time. You'll also get access to great content across the athletic network. The No Dunks podcast, all the other podcasts, the writing of Jay King. I mean, it's worth the investment. If you want to go, go to athletic.com slash anything is potable. 40% off. Simple as that. Make a great kiss, uh, Christmas gift, too. Or yeah. uh, Hanukkah or any other uh, holiday celebration. Why would you not want to read the the kid's writing? Or let your father read the kid's writing by buying that gift to him for Christmas? What better present could you have than letting him read the kid? I can't think of anything. <laughs> that was I hate myself sometimes. A- anyway, <laughs> I'm still a little sick, as you guys can hear. We've got the Celtics Kings podcast. We've got, it was madness in Celtics Kings. It really was. It really was. We're going to discuss the madness. Kyrie's team is returning. He's not. We're still going to go into some Kyrie stuff. I know some of you are probably sick of that. That's okay. We'll try to keep it fresh and interesting and exciting for anyone, even those of you who don't want to hear much about Kyrie. Marcus Smart has gone on a media tour. He has declared the five toughest players to guard. I was surprised, actually, that Kemba Walker wasn't on there, but maybe it's because his teammate now, because Kemba used to always scorch Marcus Smart. But we've just got things to discuss, things to discuss. Let's start with Tremont Waters, running Waters, his NBA debut against the Kings. Oh, man, that's not a good joke, Jay, and you've used it twice now. It's bad. (laughs) It's bad. But technically, he is running Waters. Technically, when he's seated, still he's still Waters. I mean, yeah, his name is Waters. I think you got to come up with a better, uh, come correct uh, because that joke's not great. But he, in his NBA debut, played fantastic. Yeah, and obviously the shooting wasn't great. He had some turnovers, which 
has been an issue for him dating back to college. That's probably the th- one of the things he has to clean up the most to establish himself as a long NBA career. He's got some funk to his game, though. Ultimate funk. He's, he's got he's got the feel. Like he he knows where everyone's going to be. He can move well. He's like great ball handler. Has the handles. Has a pretty good crossover and um, can do things definitely creatively with the ball in terms of just moving. Has some nice like high off the glass short guy finishes at the rim, the kind of Isaiah style that um, uh, were pretty good. I mean, I've been hearing about Tremont Waters for a while, just because my buddy worked him out pre-draft and has been raving about him. He just won G uh, G League Player of the Week, uh, so it was cool to see him play well uh, in his first game. And I thought he really gave the Celtics a, a punch off the bench, especially without Kemba. Um, Brad Wanamaker kind of stepped up into that starting role and. and Tremont came in and like changed, kind of changed the energy in the in the second quarter while uh, as the team went on that big run. Um, so it was cool to see that from him. I thought his passing was good. His defense was the thing that stuck out the most to me. He just got quick hands. He was getting his hands on the basketball all all over the place. Man's got quick hands. He almost took a charge. It was probably like an inch away from taking a charge, but they called him for a block instead. He the lefty pass to Shemi Ojale in the corner, where he just kind of pushed. He was dribbling and just kind of pushed the ball cross court into the corner to Shemi Ojale. It was, was a do- it was it was, it was a dope pass to space. Like Shemi definitely wasn't in the corner yet, but he knew he was going to be there and it was a cool pass. I mean, it shouts to Shemi for knocking down the shot because he definitely like that's not catching it in rhythm whatsoever, but it was cool just it feels like Tremont has like a very keen understanding of like spacing and how uh defenders are moving and knows how to play into that space. Yeah, then so Buddy Heald is still a golden god. The Celtics it's in, it's survived insane. Buddy Heald, but barely. I went back and rewatched the game this morning because I, I missed some of the first quarter, and it was uh, Tommy's. The Tommy uh, Heinsohn key to the game was stop Buddy Heald, and he was absolutely right. And I just kept on like, it was insane how much space he was getting, like to attempt that many threes and to knock him down. And he's damn good basketball player. It's. I don't think anyone's hit as many threes against the Celtics ever, uh, but I was still, even with Marcus Smart uh, guarding him, um, the Celtics were like playing a bit of a drop uh, pick-and-roll coverage, and it felt like they just did not do a good job of of like kind of contesting him coming off a pick, and he just got so many buckets that way. I think it made things a lot tougher because Daniel Tice was sick and didn't play, and when Ennis Cantor is in there, you just can't have him chase guys at the perimeter. Because he's going to yeah. get blown by, your defense is going to get corrupted, and obviously the like when you're choosing between Buddy Heald three and like just getting that gashed into the lane, there's no good decision there. But Cantor like against three point threats can be a liability, and we saw that against the Warriors when he was with Portland in the playoffs, like they were dropping him back against Stephen Curry. Against Stephen Curry, and like that's how much of a liability he can be on the perimeter is that teams decide, okay, we're going to allow the greatest three-point shooters in the world to shoot instead of having this guy go out to meet them. So Ennis Cantor, not as good at Daniel Tice at defending the perimeter, which no, we and, already and, knew, but it was <laughs> so obvious against Buddy Heald. Yeah, no, Buddy, when they did get Cantor and pick and roll, Buddy blew by him at least three times that I can remember. And he just, like, really could do nothing. Um, 
So it was like, I think it was like a classic Kander game where he had a lot of offensive rebounds, scored in double digits, um, and like made a pretty good impact on the game. But then you just saw his flaws. Um, but even the Celtics, like it wasn't all pick and roll for Buddy Hill. Sometimes they just lost him um, playing basic defense, lost him on the weak side. There was that one atrocious uh, inbound play with like one second left on the shot clock where he was wide open. I don't. I think it was Carson Edwards' fault uh, for just not picking him up, but. They they have to do a better job of of tracking him, but I think I got to give credit to the Kings' other players. Uh, Bogdanovich knocked down a lot of shots, especially late. Um, Corey Joseph hit a, a pretty like important threes. The the Kings are frisky. If you combine the two Kings games, the Celtics are tied with them right now. But uh, some intense battles, and so the the Kings. I don't think they're there record wise, but I mean. I feel like Harrison Barnes always gives the Celtics a tough team. I expected the Kings to be a little bit better this year, but wow, now I'm looking back at the stats. It really just seems like it was mostly Buddy, but it felt like they had had other guys hit clutch shots. But nope, it was it was pretty much just Buddy and a little bit of Harrison Barnes. And Bogdanovich once, at least once, once. he hit one three. I'm watching the final minutes right now. He hit one three, a, a very clutch one down the end. But yeah, it was it was a much closer game. Um, Do you just have league pass on while we're podcasting? Uh, I am watching the final two minutes uh, of the game just because I wanted to remember what happened. I respect I, that that work ethic from you. Um, what do you think about the Celtics' late game execution? Because uh, it was... they they did win the game, but they took Jason Tatum took some bad shots, and there was a lot of Marcus Smart mid range, which happened to go in right now or this game, and clearly didn't go in in Sacramento. But maybe that's not the shot you want uh, down the stretch. Yeah, I think. Obviously, when they're down Kemba and down Gordon Hayward, those are their two guys who are going to produce you your offense, probably the most efficient looks. They're the two best pick-and-roll playmakers, I would say, on the team. And when you don't have those guys, that's a big loss. Like, Tremont Waters was playing big fourth-quarter minutes because the Celtics wanted more ball handling. And, like... The last it was it was really a wild game. Brad Stevens was kind of making fun of the game and saying it was just fun and entertaining. And what he meant by that was that dudes were making insane decisions. Um, there were like outlet passes to no one. Jason oh my god, we, we we need to talk about Robert Williams' outlet. Like he, I don't trust him with the ball after a defensive rebound. Or he a made steal. like. Four bad passes. It like he, it's like he wants to get the ball immediately out of his hands and throws it to the closest guy with a similar color jersey as him. But he just continually makes bad decisions. But the execution late, like there was the time where the Brad Stevens had to step in to like call the timeout uh, just because the offense was so bad. And in situations like that, where it's like, is it Brad's fault or is it like Tatum's fault for just not? doing something like there's, there seems to be a lot of possessions where it's just Tatum's going to try and go one-on-one and it's like why are they not you know putting him in pick and roll or like trying to do something more than just kind of this one-on-one game that leads to I guess fadeaways and then that, there's that especially that bad three in the corner like is that Brad not calling something or is that Tatum going solo or is, uh, what's so, going on there so that last play they're up one with a small shot clock differential so unless they had a layup they probably just wanted to take the last shot and leave the Kings without much time. Tatum took that shot way too early. It wasn't the shot 
itself that bothered me, but the fact that he took it with like six or seven seconds left on the shot clock. He could have waited those six or seven seconds, taken those off, and then left the Kings with like almost no time. So I don't know why he went so early to get a shot that he could have gotten at the very end of the shot clock, but the Celtics ended up surviving. They they survived. In that situation, like, is Tatum your guy? I'm just thinking because there was a period in the third quarter where Jalen Brown was unstoppable. Like, he is going the to the guy. rim, he scored eight, eight points in a row. So you want Tatum there instead of Jalen? Yes, because in that situation with up one, you want to just take the time off and probably shoot a long jumper, right, to take as much time off. You're not going to want to, like, I mean, you can go to the lane, but then you risk you know, missing and getting letting the other team go the other way by shooting a long shot um, and and not risking turnover, not risking a quick rebound and outlet pass and fast break, you allow yourself to set your defense and you take as much time off the clock. And Tatum, to me, is like, he's a guy you want taking that sort of shot. So in that situation, yeah, I was I was cool with Tatum taking it, even though Jalen obviously had the best game. Yeah, I mean, it, it makes sense. Tatum's just clearly a better outside shooter. It feels like Jalen is much more of a catch-and-shoot guy at this point. And um, that being said, I think I just more wanted to highlight that ridiculous stretch in the third quarter where it feels like Jalen Brown has really uh, figured out the how to— rim. He can get to the rim now and do it with pace and do it with, like, pump fakes and body people. He's he's evolved. It was damn impressive in the third quarter. It was just like— I think it was three or four straight possessions where it's just like, okay, I'm going to take it to the rim, and there's nothing the um, the Kings could do to stop me. He and Marcus Smart were fantastic. Smart has been so good this year that we didn't really discuss everything he did, even though he played fantastic defense. He crazy steal on Bogdanovich. The crazy steal on Bogdanovich. He. I mean, you know, really, all of the scoring down the stretch. Yeah, he. I mean, he kind of won that game for the Celtics, and got a little banged up, but that's okay. If since the Celtics had were scheduled for a day off today, maybe he had sweatpants on for the day. And if you do have sweatpants on, but you're sick of microwave leftovers and frozen pizza, enter DoorDash, restaurant quality food with a living room dress code. You guys may not know me, but if you do, you know that I'm a comfort guy. I live in sweats. I live in pajamas. I live in whatever feels the best on my body. And I'm a lazy guy. And DoorDash is great for me. Ordering is easy. Open the DoorDash app, choose what you want to eat, and your food will be delivered to you wherever you are. Right now, our listeners can get $5 off their first order of $15 or more when you download the DoorDash app and enter promo code CELTICS. That's $5 off your first order when you download the DoorDash app from the App Store and enter promo code CELTICS. Don't forget, that's promo code CELTICS for $5 off your first order from DoorDash. On Sunday, my girlfriend was appalled with me when I DoorDashed some... uh some McDonald's during the Patriots game. But that's something you can do on DoorDash. Fast food. You, know, you I just DoorDash wanted, McDonald's, bro? I did, bro. I wanted a, a double cheeseburger. I was just like just hankering for one. Just a single double cheeseburger? 
I mean, I also got some other things because I'm a glutton, but that's what that was like the main driver of what I wanted. I just, I, I'm pretty sure just advertising worked on me. I was watching the Pats game. I was like, man, I could really go for two double cheeseburgers right now and a 10 piece McNuggets. And I got it within like a half hour. It was dope. Boom. You got some Mickey D's. Mickey D's. We got That's a brilliant transition. <laughs> I, I was thinking of how to transition. I'm like, I got nothing right now. So we'll just start talking about Kyrie Irving, whose nets are coming to TD Garden Wednesday night. He will not be playing. He's got a shoulder injury. It's kind of disappointing. I was I was excited to see an electric atmosphere. I'm always excited for electricity, whether it's like electricity because of a great game, electricity because of apparent disdain for a player. I'm all in for electricity. Electricity because Mo Wagner is energetic and never stops doing weird things. Like any electricity is good for me. There will not be as much electricity because Kyrie is not in this game. Um, Celtics fans would have been out for blood. It would have been a lot of fun. It would have been a supercharged game. The game before Kyrie's least favorite holiday, people would have been uh, pretty pretty lubed up and ready to boo, ready to probably yell some things that they would regret later. Um, So it is disappointing. Um, And it kind of plays into the storyline like, oh, Kyrie is – Missing out, uh, like was never going to play in Boston, but I don't think that fits because he's been missing a number of games with a with a shoulder. Um, Kyrie's kind of a kind of a uh, injury concern. I feel like he gets banged up often, uh, and misses uh, stretches here or there. But yeah, it's too bad. It would have been fun. The good thing is the Nets are a division opponent, and so they will have to come to Boston at some point in the future. I just don't know when that is. March third, I believe. Oh, my God, it's so long to wait. So if you want to use the Game Time app for for that game, please feel free. Game Time app, Kyrie will be back in Boston. Maybe, maybe, probably. Um, I'm not even sure it's March 3rd, but I think it is. Trust me. Don't trust me. I'm not like Marcus Smart. You don't have to love me and trust me. You just have to listen to me. Um, So uh, obviously the Kyrie storyline is back because of this game. And it's we're the Celtics are sixteen games into the season now. They're twelve and four. They've got good vibes everywhere. Um, it's people a totally, are happy. It's a totally different feel from last season. Like if you walk into practice, you can just feel the difference. If you're in the locker room, you can feel the difference. And I don't think it's all because of Kyrie. But I do think, like, his presence last year turned dark at times. And it dragged some people down. And guys, like, he was he was tough to be around because of how upset he was for stretches last year. And, and I think it's, like, how much respect that this other players on the Celtics have for his game and for his talent is, like... Even though if it wasn't Kyrie's intent to do this, like his mood clearly has a huge impact on others around him and on the locker room. And I think that's something that Brad Stevens said to Kyrie last year. And it's something like that's when the the mythical plane ride to Golden State like kind of happened and everyone started having fun again for two weeks. But 
Kyrie, you seemed like a very moody individual, at least, or was going through some things last season, and that kind of had an impact on the team. And I think it was interesting, Marcus Smart, when, and I guess we can talk more about this moving forward, but he was on the low post with Zach Lowe when he was talking about this exact dynamic. And he was basically like, last year, guys, where everyone was kind of dealing with their own personal issues and no one really wanted to talk about it or were too scared to talk about it. And I don't think it's directly Kyrie's fault, but I'm assuming if you have a super talented guy who has admitted that he like wasn't uh, willing to kind of talk about his emotions, especially like dealing with the death of his grandfather, and there was just like kind of there wasn't an openness or a comfortability among anyone in the locker room, and so I thought it was interesting to hear Smart trying to talk about that and how they've learned from that this year and are kind of like more open and more like willing to air grievances and be uh, kind of a a more happy-go-lucky locker room this year with Kemba. Yeah, and uh, thank you for shouting out Zach Lowe when I also had a story quoting Marcus Smart on Kyrie Irving. And I'll read the quote. It's on The Athletic. For those of you who don't subscribe, please feel free to subscribe. Um, Smart t- told me it's not that we didn't know how to act around him. It's that we didn't know how he was going to act. We didn't know Ooh, what that, his moves were. That's a were. better quote than Zach Lowe. Sorry. And we didn't know what Kyrie was going through. And that made it tough on us because if somebody's going through something in their life and you don't really know what it is, it's kind of hard to see what's wrong with him. It's kind of hard to provide some help. It's not against Kyrie. It's just a defense mechanism as a human be- human being you have. And he wasn't here long enough to really be able to open up the way he probably wanted to. And it probably got to him a little bit. So... Yeah, Kyrie was tough to be around. And Marcus Smart, like, I think he's really empathetic toward what Kyrie Irving was going through. And if you read the rest of my story, I think you'll be able to pick up on that. Like, he didn't blame Kyrie for what happened. He didn't blame Kyrie for what he said was going into a shell. It was just he thought a lot of pressures got to Kyrie and a lot of pressures got to a lot of the Celtics last year. And nobody really knew how to deal with it it was it was just a bizarre bizarre experience to kind of be around and see every day like like how this team that was totally connected the year before just got disconnected um another interesting thing about Kyrie um is because Danny Ainge was on another uh four-letter network that I won't name but talking to uh Rachel Nichols uh about kind of what went wrong last year and he's definitely he didn't want to blame Kyrie and he said but probably what he what he should have done is like kind of loosened up the roster more and gave it more space which I think take is like a direct shot at uh not a shot but like saying maybe Terry Rozier and Marcus Morris uh had too much effect on it but I just thought it was interesting for Danny Ainge to kind of come out and say that uh openly and be like yeah we had we had too many cooks in the kitchen last year yeah and I thought I th- think that's smart of him to realize that. And I think when you look at the roster makeup this year, like it's obvious they decided they were not going to do that again. Like they did not get a single established player on their bench outside of Marcus Smart, who comes off the bench when everyone's healthy. Other than that, it's Grant Williams. It's Carson Edwards. It's Brad Wanamaker. It's Robert Williams, I guess, Ennis Cantor, but I don't know if the Celtics thought he was going to start coming into the season. But, like, none of those guys are particularly established. None of those guys are going to think they're the best player on the team. Last year, everybody thought they were the third best player or the second best player or whatever the case was. And 
to an extent, like, some of the guys had reason to think that. <laughs> like, Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown and Terry Rozier were great in the playoffs. Marcus Morris, like, shot 900% from three for the first half of the season. Marcus Smart, like, he's obviously really good. And so, yeah, I, I do think Ainge probably could have helped some of the issues, helped remove some of the issues um, by lightening up the roster last season. There were just too many guys who wanted touches and who wanted shots and who weren't content when they didn't get those things. And it was just, honestly, last year was just bizarre. This year, I think the difference is enormous. And I think, I think Kemba's personality is a, a big deal. They know they can rely on him to be an uplifting guy every day, and that matters. I think having you know guys in different roles and having actual role players who are willing to do not take many shots, like Grant Williams, his usage, usage rate is going to be super low. Daniel Tice, same thing. Robert Williams, same thing. Like there are guys now, and even Al Horford, whose usage rate was pretty low last year. Like he needed the ball. And he needed to play pick and pop, and you needed to play through him. So there were just more guys who needed to do things last year versus this year. There are some guys who are fine with with not doing anything except like rebounding, defending, and trying to impact winning. So I, yeah, I think I, I think I, I that's just, a good point though. It's like it's not that the, like the the Celtics style of of play has changed that much in terms of like I mean they are running more pick and roll, but like time of possession, assist rate. Uh, um, I mean, turnovers are definitely down, but it's it's just the mood of the guys when they get the ball, like, less. Like, Terry and Mook are clearly not going to be um, as excited uh, just to be out on the court as, like, Grant and Carson Edwards are. And so I don't think it's, like, the style of play, like or, like, the guys are getting more shots. It's just that, like, they brought in the right kind of personalities to kind of deal with being that role player. Yeah, Obviously, people are probably sick of hearing about this to some extent, but I do think that the the lessons from last year and what's changed this year, like that's a big deal for now. It's a big deal for moving forward. Like what lessons players take from it, what lessons Brad Stevens takes from it, what lessons Ainge takes from it, and obviously based on his comments to Rachel Nichols, like he thinks differently now about building a team than he did before. He he knows that he should have gotten rid of some of that roster crunch last year and had less established guys and had guys who were willing to just kind of do the dirty work and they didn't have enough of those guys. And so it was none of, it certainly wasn't all in Kyrie like there were a ton of ton of issues but Kyrie I think because of who he was like he got the majority of the heat and I think that that really kind of put him into a bad place and that bad place impacted the Celtics and they just they just went the wrong way so we won't talk anymore about it because honestly I'm sick of talking about it to some extent I'm sick of writing about it to some extent but I do think it's really important and especially with the Nets coming in it's it's a chance to to go back and and kind of revisit what's changed and and why that matters you know what else matters Footwear. Ever wonder how to get the hottest new sneakers? The ones that barely hit shelves? The answer is StockX, a revolutionary new marketplace for buying and selling 100% authentic sneakers, streetwear, watches, and handbags. What are your favorite shoes? 
Packer. Me, I'm not. I'm not a big shoes guy. I'm not a big kicks guy. I, I like the Nike Cortez Forest Gumps. Is some of my favorite pair. Uh, and then well, you um, know what? I bet they have it on StockX. I'm sure they do. It's hard to get the red, white, and blues. They're not I'm really in big, stock that often. I, I loved the Grant Hills from Fila. Ooh, they might have them on StockX. If they have those on StockX, I need to go purchase them right now because those were marvelous. Absolutely marvelous sneakers. Those are maybe my favorite sneakers of all time. Just the Grant I hope Hill th- you, you think they have some D Brown pumps? Ooh, maybe. Because I need to jump a little bit higher. I need to feel that bounce in my step. Anyway, StockX has the hottest shoes at great prices. StockX uses the same principles at the stock market to make buying and selling as safe and easy as possible. It provides real-time market data for intelligent buying and selling and gives you access to tons of historical price data. You can see exactly how much an item has sold for in the past and how much it's selling for now. You may not want old-school Grant Hills or D. Browns, and honestly, I don't even know if anyone sells those anymore. But StockX has the hottest shoes, and you should go and check it out. Want in on all the hype? Check out StockX.com slash bball for a surprise offer that won't be around long. That's StockX.com slash bball. Check it out today. All right. Marcus Smart kind of gone on a little media blitz with the Players' Tribune. He went out and released the five guys that are toughest for him to defend. And there were six guys on that list, right? There were definitely six guys on that list. I was going to note that it's a strange, strange thing for a top five (laughs) list to have. But it's it's pretty Marcus Smart. He's a stretch six. He's a stretch six. And he's following the, the lead of Magic Johnson, who tweeted out his top 16 MVP candidates and then listed 13 guys. Like it's just it's what the it's what the league's moving towards these days. Just numbers don't have any meaning. It's kind of just like an anti-analytics thing, where it's just like you throw out numbers and you don't really. It, it's about the eye test. The eye test. Yeah, sure. Um, <laughs> <laughs> anyway, top five players he's ever guard, he's ever guarded. Kawhi Leonard up there. No shock there. Like. Kawhi is very tough to guard. And he, he called Kawhi like the best, the most dominant player in the game right now, which I would um, have to agree with. Yeah. He said he's the most unstoppable, not the most dominant, most unstoppable. And said he's out of this world. And yeah, which makes it even more impressive that Smart did such a good job on him when in LA. Smart, Smart's been ridiculous this year. Like his defense has been ridiculous. It really has. He's been just outrageous. He's been taking on tougher matchups because Al Horford left, and Al Horford used to take a lot of the bigger dudes like Giannis. Now it's Marcus Smart taking on those, and it's like he can do it. Even though he's only 6'3", and he's given up six, seven inches to to some of these guys he's guarding, he just goes and does it. Do you think he's been the Celtics MVP this year? Because I think it's like far and away he's – the guy. Like other players have had good stretches, but so goes Marcus Smart, so goes the team. That's a good question. Um uh, I mean, I don't know. Kemba's playmaking is super important. Hayward before he went down was playing better than anyone. Uh, I mean, all the pieces are very important, but 
it feels like Marcus Smart's defense in being like the the Celtics have able to play their kind of crazy scrambling, super fast doubling defense because Marcus Smart can be the the kind of the guard, the best player on the other team. He can be the kind of the quarterback of the defense. He's doing a lot more on offense than I think he normally does. His shooting is uh, um, like Celtics fans are actually confident in Marcus Smart three point attempts. And so just the combination of the elite defense with just, I would say, above average offense, it feels like he's just like a very important uh, cog in the machine just because they've been able to deal with injuries to Jalen Brown, Gordon Hayward, a little bit of Kemba now. But it feels like if Smart went out, uh, it might be much harder just for them on the defensive end. Yeah, I mean, certainly he's he's a ridiculous defensive player. I think what what really separates them though is that they have a bunch of dudes who can guard a a lot of positions and a bunch of dudes who are willing to scramble around and a bunch of dudes who consider themselves two-way players. From Gordon Hayward, Jalen Brown, Jason Tatum, Brad Wanamaker, uh Grant Williams loves to play defense. Daniel, I mean that def- that's definitely why Daniel it works, Tice but the does. scramble is better when you have Marcus Smart oh, yeah. in it, just because Anything's he makes the right decision. If you have Marcus Smart. That's just I think that's that especially a rope. A robe is better when when it's Versace. When it's Versace and when it's with Marcus Smart. Next guy on his list, Paul George. Kinda kinda insults Paul George. He's like, uh, Paul George is good, he's all about getting rhythm. That's why I stop him from getting rhythm and make him miss. So, I mean, I would say five toughest guys to guard being on that list probably is not an insult. Uh, But there are six guys on the list, so who knows? (laughs) Next one, Kyrie Irving. Kyrie, which makes sense. I have to imagine that Kyrie and Smart had some crazy battles in practice. Like that... I wish I could have seen that because it feels like with Kyrie's insane handles and Marcus Smart's insane just will to win, those must have been a lot of fun. Yeah, that that would have been enjoyable to watch. I, I, I Guys just – NBA players, I feel like they put Kyrie Irving on a pedestal. Like I can remember Avery Bradley years and years ago saying Kyrie was the toughest to guard. And I'm sure a lot of players believe – like guys – Think Kyrie, they think of Kyrie as like absolute legend, and I think to some extent, like it's it's sort of like the Kobe effect. Like Kobe was incredible at basketball, Kyrie Irving is incredible at basketball, but I think to some extent, like other players overrated Kobe a little bit compared to how great he actually was, and I think with Kyrie, it's the same because. They're both so skilled and so gifted and could kill you in so many different ways. Um, but yeah, Kyrie, fantastic player, very tough to guard. Stephen Curry is the next on the list. I I have no argument there. What am I supposed to do? Notably not on this list, LeBron James. Which is funny because I feel like if you go back in Marcus Smart's past... LeBron is like the only one of the few guys who has kind of like overpowered him and made him look like an actual guard trying to defend a big forward. Um, but LeBron's not on the list. Were you surprised? Uh, thinking about it now, I was surprised. Yeah, because he's if like you talk about all the bigs that have tried to post Marcus Smart up, but I think like multiple playoff series or multiple matchups where LeBron is just kind of 
been dominant. I think it's just because LeBron, maybe because you can force him to an outside shot, and he's not like he's still a very good shooter, but he's not like a an amazing three point shooter. But I don't know. Yes, the best player of this generation. It's surprising he's not on Marcus Smart's hardest to guard list. Yeah, Giannis and Anthony Davis were the fifth player together. Yeah, that, uh, it confused me. It, it just say six. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, and Smart is guarding guys like Giannis now. I hope that he guards Anthony Davis when they play the Lakers because that would be majestic. It really would. It would be a majestic matchup. Um, the thing that I thought the most interesting about that was how, how Brad loves the analytics and is always preaching how statistically big guys are not uh, don't fare as well when little guys like pressure them and annoy them. And so uh, apparently the analytics back it up. I don't know yeah, what the, what the inside the data is that. that Brad has. But, Brad, Brad's got uh, more analytics than I do. Let me just tell you that much. He's got analytics but, for how big guys do when guards make them uncomfortable. But, yeah, apparently he loves it. And that's, it makes sense for the strategy that the Celtics have used this year. And the eye test, uh, which I brought up earlier, would seem to indicate that because that Marcus Smart has done a very good job against uh, especially post-up bigs. Now, Giannis, I think, is a, a different story because that guy can just drop a 50-burger as he did a lot of the other night. But, um, yeah, I was surprised to see the analytics on big guy versus small guy. Yeah, that, I, I, need to, I need to find out about that the these numbers that apparently exist but just don't exist in the public sphere i'm going to definitely ask about those the one the other guy i was surprised wasn't on the list is kemba because honestly like when you watch marcus smart play defense he can guard basically any type of guy um the ones that i think give him the most trouble are like the supremely quick guards and like Kemba used to torch the Celtics and he would torch Marcus Smart. And like he's one of the few guys I've ever seen torch Marcus Smart. Maybe he didn't put him on the list because they're teammates. But to me, like of all the times when Marcus Smart has given up a lot of buckets, I feel like a number of those times have come from Kemba Walker. Yeah. And also it feels like with a whole message of camaraderie and the team building and all that stuff, like. He seems like a pretty obvious choice, uh, and maybe there's like some rules he couldn't choose Kemba, but no, yeah, that Kemba basically like absolutely cooked the Celtics for years. Marcus Smart was on all of those teams. Now, one time it was because the the Celtics weren't trapping, and you know Kyrie called out Brad, and they, they got that fixed. But um, yeah, no, also surprised to not have uh, not have Kemba on that list. So, but maybe they just needed to keep it to the list to six because you know it's a five person list. <laughs> <laughs> that is true. What if there were seven people on a five-person list? That would have been. Even no, that more doesn't fun. work. That doesn't. That doesn't make any sense. It's yeah. got to be six on the five. <laughs> yeah, maybe next time we do Sellers of Catan, we can put five people at our four-person table. Ooh, I'm just saying this opens up possibilities. Anyway, thank you guys for listening. Please subscribe to us on iTunes or Spotify if you don't already. This is the free show of the week we also do a subscriber show once a week um we'll be done for the rest of this week through to thanksgiving we're gonna take a little holiday spend some time with uh people we love maybe eat some turkey maybe some stuffing maybe uh whatever else people eat on thanksgiving watch a little football 
watch a little. Sounds about right. Yeah. So we'll be doing that. We'll be back next week uh, with our normal schedule, probably Wednesday and Friday. So make sure to subscribe. Give us a five-star rating. That's it for this episode of Anything is Potable. That was so weak. Anything is potable. There you go. I was just setting you up. I was just setting you up to look good. That's all. Throwing you the alley-oop. Appreciate that. Better than Al Horford's alley-oop the other day. No doubt.